What's up, friends? Welcome to Web3 Academy, a place for entrepreneurs, creators, and marketers to explore and learn how to use Web3 to transform business models and create thriving communities. Enjoy this next episode. GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy. It is the weekly roll-up. I'm Jay Bird, coming at you from Lucerne, Switzerland. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle Reedhead. Kyle, where are you today? <laughs> Currently, I'm in the airport in Barcelona. Uh, on a <laughs> on a whim of a moment, uh, last night, uh, a friend of mine and I decided we're going to go to Germany and uh, attend the Rufus the Soul concert. It's the last concert in Europe on their tour right now. And uh, we booked it last night, woke up this morning, and now I'm at the airport and heading to Germany. So I'm going to Cologne. I know nothing about Cologne, but uh, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, there's so much beauty in remote work and remote life and spontaneity. And uh, I, I, I mean, I'm going to tie this into gratitude. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that we are able to live in a remote world now where uh, you can, I can wake up, get a text message from my podcast co-host at, that came through at 3 a.m. last night saying, hey, man, can we switch the time that we're filming today? I'm flying to Germany to see Rufus de Sol. Like talk about, it's just, there's just beauty in life in that. Like, you know, everybody be more spontaneous, get out there, do the things that scare you. Like just, you know, have fun. Like life doesn't have to be so serious all the time. Uh, you can, uh, you can make the most out of any moment. And uh, yeah, if you ever get a chance to hop on a plane and fly to Germany to see Rufus de Sol, we'll get the story of what, how it goes next week, I'm sure. But uh, full support, Kai, full support. <laughs> Everybody back home in Toronto saw Rufus in June and I didn't. So I was like, you know what? I got to go see Rufus. This is it. This is it for me. Uh, okay. Okay. We didn't do an intro of what this episode is going to be about. So I was just going to say, sorry, quick? let me just do that real quick. Okay. So today, uh, we're going to talk about making money in Web3, uh, not as an investor, but as a business. And we're going to talk about some real case studies of the biggest businesses in the world that are making uh, millions, I mean, tens of millions of dollars off of Web3 already. You know, we talk a lot about like experimentation in Web3, but holy shit, like money is being made. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to give an update on the tornado cast situation and the developer arrests and just the response that's come from the crypto community. Um, we're going to talk about fractional ownership of NFTs. There's, there's so much happening with, and I think this is what we're just so new, the utility of NFTs and fractional ownership is a big part that has potential to really bring more people in the space. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, some exciting new launches that are happening. MasterCard, a big announcement for MasterCard and Binance. Uh, we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to wrap up with our DAO of the month. So we got a great DAO of the month this, this it's month. It's a good one. I'm excited for it's this a, one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I got it to choose to this one. Kyle's, it has to do with Kyle and my favorite sport. So there's, yes. your, uh, there's your teaser for it. Uh, all right. So I already did my gratitude. Kai, what's uh, what's your gratitude? Oh, man. I am uh, grateful for, um, for nomad meetups. So it's very interesting that um, you can go anywhere in the world and there's always a group of expats or nomads, like people that are just kind of traveling and, and working. 
And there's always someone, and this goes to community, uh, but there's always someone that's setting up these like uh, events for people who travel or people who are nomadic, whatever, mm -hmm. to come together and um, and meet and talk about business and network and all this kind of stuff. And it's like every city that I go to, it just, there happens to be one and you can like find them fairly quickly. There's like a WhatsApp group where you can like chat and meet everybody. And then there's always these like kind of, ongoing meetups at different places um and it's just cool because you just meet the most random but interesting people uh and i had it in lisbon i've had it here again in barcelona um and i just love it it's super cool um and and the lifestyle is just it's, it's so much it's so much fun awesome i love it all right what's the web three word of the week kai the web three word of the week is diversification uh and i mm. and i don't mean this in terms of investing because if you're investing web3 just go all in on eth no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> so there's no <laughs> diversification there okay but the reason why i say diversification is if you're looking to build a business in this space or you're looking to invest in this space or you're looking to gain skills in this space i think it's really important for everyone to diversify those skills or that business or whatever it is um this comes up from the whole debate about nft royalties and how, you know, we don't know if these can be enforceable on chain, et cetera. We just actually, um, I just wrote an article on this and I think it'll be on the podcast uh, uh, next week. But um, the idea here is like, we don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work in Web3. It's still so new. We're still experimenting on mm -hmm. business models, on how we're going to charge customers and how we're going to earn money from NFTs or from tokens, et cetera. And so I think the key thing here is for anyone in the space right now is just diversify, diversify your knowledge, diversify what you're learning, diversify the businesses you're building. There's the airport. Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> diversify the businesses you're, you're building um, and try to diversify the revenue streams. If you are a creator or, you know, you're launching NFT, whatever um, you just want to, you don't want to, go down one path and be like, this is the path that I'm going to go. And this is it, because we just don't know what is going to work. Uh, and I think one, that's like an exciting thing about this space is there's just so much experimentation and, and so much innovation. Um, but it's also just like, I think people need to understand that and be aware of that because there's a lot of people that are like, I'm just going to do exactly this and hope it works. And there's a, like a lot of things aren't going to work in this space. So this is why it's so important right now anyway, to just diversify everything that you're doing uh, if you're in web three. And I think that uh, what what the starting point of all of that is, is getting active in Web3 first. But right. then once you're there, as you said, like, do different things, try different things, diversify. But the one thing I will say is, you know what works no matter what? Building community, no matter right. what. So don't 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 diversify in the building community one. I mean, you could diversify. Diversify on who's in your community. Get lots of people <laughs> in your you community with different backgrounds, you know, that diversity is actually really important in community. And there's the whole other point we could go down, but I won't, I won't open that up right now. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's jump into the news for the week. First up, we've got, I've got up on the screen here, a, a chart or a dashboard from Dune, uh, which is by at King James 23. I don't think this is actually LeBron James. So shout out to whoever is <laughs> pseudo anon King James on, uh, on Dune. Uh, and what this dashboard is, is it's NFT brands case study overview. Uh, and it shows the top 13, at least in the view I'm looking at, the top 13 brands 
that have and how much revenue they have made off of NFTs. Uh, so let me just go through a couple highlights here. We've got Nike first on this list. They've done 1.3 billion in secondary volume, 93 million in revenue off of their primary sales, 92 million in royalties off of that secondary volume for total NFT revenue of 185 million. Now, obviously Nike did purchase Artifact, so that gave them a large boost. And I think- That secondary purchased... volume doesn't make sense. 1.3 billion, but the total revenue was 185 million. The secondary revenue doesn't, oh, that's secondary volume. Royal... That's volume, gotcha. Okay, that's volume. Yes, not this is volume revenue. and then this yeah. is royalties. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so you know you got Nike up there with 185 million in NFT revenue. Then you've got Dolce and Cabana, Tiffany's, Gucci's, Adidas, uh, Time Magazine, Budweiser, all ranging between 10 to 25 million in NFT revenue. I mean, wow! Like it is incredible to see. I think that a lot of people don't realize there is revenue. We talk about diversification, you know, diversify because yeah. you're building, but there's, there's revenue to be made in web three right now and big time revenue. Now, obviously these are massive brands that have big followings. Uh, it's a lot easier to jump into a new technology when you've got, uh, you know, the capital behind you to invest and build, but also the following that is willing to buy into your stuff. But like just, it's really interesting to see these numbers. I hadn't really, I don't think any of us until this came out and this made big, big rounds on Twitter and a lot of people were retweeting this. I don't think a lot of us realized the scale of revenue that's coming to these large brands. Well, what's interesting is this is all like all of these companies only started doing this maybe like a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. So this is not like a long-term thing. And I think the other point to make here is most of these companies are not doing this launching these NFTs and doing all this with the purpose of making revenue. They're actually doing it with the purpose of building community and experimenting in the space. Um, and so to me, that's quite interesting is they're still earning this much, like Nike earning 185 million. Um, and I don't think that's their main goal is, is revenue mm -hmm. right now. I think it's just kind of experimenting. Let's see how this works. Let's see if our audience likes this um, and let's see what we can do with it and what we can unlock. Um, and in the meantime, that they've been kind of experimenting and playing around, I mean, they've been able to make millions of dollars, um, which I mean, is, I think this is good. I know a lot of people are like, oh, but they're big companies. They don't need to make, you know, do they really need to make more money from, you know, people in the space? But ultimately, like, this is the kind of stuff that brings other companies into the space, right? Mm -hmm. When you want big brands coming in, they need to see testimonials, essentially, right? And that's exactly what this is. What's really interesting here is look at this Nike, 92 million on royalties. Holy shit. <laughs> you know, we're talking about royalties here. And if this is going to be a thing, Nike made 92 million on that. That is wild. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Um, more, almost more than their like initial launch, which was 93 million on their, on their primary. Um, so look, royalties, we'll see what happens with those in the future, but uh, definitely a, a, a breadwinner if you if you can get these royalties to work um just the question is our marketplace is going to <laughs> uh continue to honor royalties we'll we'll find out um and we have an article coming out on that soon um but uh pretty amazing pretty amazing yeah just to touch on that quickly for those of you who don't know royalties which are such a big part of web3 is this idea of putting money back in the hands of the creator is not enforceable on chain. If 
if you weren't aware, if you haven't been following Twitter the past month, you might not have seen this. And if you're wondering what does what, what do you mean royalties aren't enforceable on chain? How does that work? There's Kyle's written an article. It's coming out next week. So make sure you check that out. That drops next Monday uh, and it'll help you really understand that because there's a huge, and there's a big rabbit hole right there that a lot of people need to go down. Uh, the right. other thing I want to just mention about, about this is it's amazing to see that the reason Nike is so big here is that's a PFP collection, right? None right. of these other examples here have done a PFP collection. And look, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and promote PFP collections. I don't think we need more 10,000 PFP collections right now, at least. But what this shows is what does a PFP collection do? It builds community, right? Mm. And when you build community, that's when you get the most secondary sales. That's when you get, you know, a community that's interested, you get a lot of eyeballs and you can generate the most revenue from that. And as you said, Kyle, this isn't necessarily focused on revenue. I think the big focus here is more on, wow, look at the number of transactions that are happening here, right? right. You know, we're talking uh, for Nike, for example, 67,000 secondary transactions, right? Wow. Uh, like that's huge. Even Adidas, 51,000 secondary transactions. Now Adidas, their product costs a lot less than their NFT costs a lot less than, than a, um, a clone does, which is artifact and Nike's NFT. So there's a difference there, but yeah. Anyway, it's really, NFTs? really cool to see. Anything else to mention on this guy? Do you own any of these NFTs? From any of these big brands have you bought any of them i own the adidas into the metaverse you do okay cool i do yeah i actually uh my i got a notification that my adidas uh swag is in the mail uh nice. so I'll, I'll be sporting that on one of our future um future podcasts the nickelodeon nickelodeon we got to get a nickelodeon I, I do not own the nickelodeon we should probably get a, a wallet and just start our own little collection we'll start a web3 academy collections so is it like a rugrats nft I used to love Rugrats. The Nickelodeon is the Rugrats yeah. one. I did own the Lacoste NFT, but I flipped it uh, pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, let's not get into the, the mindset of flipping. Uh, I'm such a DJ. All right, let's get uh, on the NFTs. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> all right, back to the FUD of this space and what's going on with Tornado Cash and all this stuff. We've talked about it the last two weeks. Um, the next thing that we've seen happen here is Uniswap has blocked 253 crypto addresses related to the stolen funds or sanctions of Tornado Cash. Um, and the point I just wanted to make here, and we actually just had um, Natter, who is a developer, the founder of DeveloperDAO, works with Celestia and uh, just doing so much in the space. We just had him on the podcast. <clears throat> I believe that comes out next week to talk about this. Um, but basically what's happening here is oh my god uniswap is blocking people like this isn't web3 this isn't supposed to happen and the point i want to make here is that it's not uniswap the protocol that has blocked these addresses so any of these addresses can still use uniswap okay what they can't do is interact with the front end website that's all that has been blocked so they can't interact with the the user interface of uniswap but there are a bunch of these anyone can create their own user interface and plug in to the uniswap protocol itself um, so if they're a developer, they can just go use the protocol. Or if there's another front-facing, you know, UI, um, they can just go to that and they can use that site. So it's not actually blocking these addresses. It's the reason they had to do it is Uniswap Labs, I believe is their company name, 
is a company in the US. And so they have to follow the laws of these sanctions, right? Um, now they can't do anything to the protocol because it's completely decentralized and just kind of doing its own thing. It's just code on Ethereum, um, but they can do something to the front end of the website, um, the site that we all interact with. And so that is where they are blocking these addresses. Um, they are not doing that uh, from the protocol level. So I just want to make sure that that is clear. Uh, we do have Natter coming on the podcast and he's going to break down like, the whole tech stack and what we need to do to decentralize everything essentially um, to ensure that sanctions and government and centralized companies can't kind of take over um, and, and basically ruin web three. So we will go into that conversation more. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to clear that up because I know it was a, a hot topic on, on Twitter over the last week. Yeah. One thing I just want to explain quickly is there's three core things that make up Uniswap. And you touched on these, Kai. I just want to really make sure everyone understands this because sometimes we get techie and, you know, words like front end, people are like, what's front end? Okay. So there's three core things that make up Uniswap. There's code running on the blockchain. Anyone can interact with this code. All right. Then there's a front end website that provides one way, one way for users to interact with that code. All right. And then there's a US-based company that develops the protocol and runs the front-end website. Okay, so the blocking of crypto happened at the front-end level, right? Because you have a US-based company that is running this front-end website. And as a result of the fact that they're a US-based company, they have to follow sanctions and regulations that are put out by the US Treasury. Otherwise, potentially they could face legal action. Right. And any centralized company that's in, and I mean, look, yeah. we, we hate everyone in the space, hate centralized companies, but like ultimately it's the centralized companies that are building Web3. Yeah. Uh, and then they're, but they're building them and then they're decentralizing the protocols, which is great. Um, but we just got to understand that they have to follow rules, whether in the US or wherever else they're going to be. It's just the way that, it's the way the world works currently. So Tornado Cash, we talked last week that the developer of it was arrested uh, in the Netherlands uh, last week or two weeks ago now, maybe. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about this, um, a lot of discussion. And, you know, a lot of people are getting quite angry, I think, um, because this developer should not have been, well, we don't really know the full story, but probably should not have been arrested for this. There is some talk that maybe the developer was actually more involved with the bad actors that were actually using Tornado Cash to uh, money launder. Um, but there's no proof of that. So regardless, he shouldn't be detained like he is. But anyway, there is, um, there's protests going on, I guess, right now in the Netherlands uh, over this. And, uh, you know, people are, I think, flooding the streets. And um, it's becoming a bigger deal than I think most people thought it was going to be in the very beginning. Um, so that's very interesting. And we'll kind of see how that ends up playing out. But, um, I mean, this was nice. So Tom Emmer, who is a... Um, he is, what does he actually do? I don't even, he's part of Congress, I guess. Uh, but he's a, he's a crypto supporter. Um, and he actually wrote a letter to Treasury. Can you actually open the third, the second and the third? He, he so basically wrote a, a letter to the US Treasury and he wrote a bunch of questions asking them like, you need to answer these questions so that we understand what is going on here. Um, and I don't know if we want to read all these because they are actually quite long. But he basically was asking, like, okay, if you're going to shut down Tornado Cash or you're going to, like, pause the, the um, force them to pause the, the funds that are inside of Tornado Cash, what about all the people that were not money laundering, that just have their, mm -hmm. you know, money in there? Mm -hmm. What about the ones that are not even U.S. citizens, that you don't even have jurisdiction over? How do they get their funds? 
what like how does this work for them when are they going to get their funds and like basically just ask all these questions because this sanction was just a little bit like out of nowhere and it's a it's definitely overstepping you know what they should be doing um and so he's just kind of asking these questions trying to get answers for the people that actually use this um and you know he's just really supporting the space and i think that is really cool i think we need more more people in congress or in government that are going to stand up for open source code, right? Like all it is, is just code. It's, it's speech, right? But speech, but written instead of, you know, instead of audio. And, uh, and all of a sudden we're getting people thrown in jail and sanctioned as a result of it, which is crazy. There are money laundering that happens in fiat, you know, there are money laundering that happens just on the internet and we don't shut down the internet. Um, so it's great to see Tom Emmer sort of questioning what's going on here and just, trying to find a resolution to this, you know? Um, I do think that this is gonna end up going to court if it hasn't already been filed, but I think it will happen mm -hmm. soon. Um, but it's just an interesting letter that he wrote. And if you have time, I'd recommend you read it. It's funny, he actually listed the addresses of some of the people and he's like, is this an actual entity or a person? Like, do you know who this is? And he just <laughs> copy and paste this like long, uh, ad, like Ethereum address. And it's like, these people have no idea. You know, the US Treasury has no idea what they got into, what they're blocking here. Um, so it's just funny to see this as well. but. Good on you, Tom. We like you, and uh, we hope there's more people like you in, in in government. Yeah, and I think this just to me brings up a very you know simple point, but it can't be stressed enough: is the importance of asking good questions. Right? This is right. what we need to do right now. Is before you act, take a minute if you're a regulator to just ask some questions. Right? The more questions we ask, the more we will get to the right answer because the truth is we don't know what the right answer is right now right regulation it's not a simple thing there is no straightforward path so what do we need we need more people asking great questions and encouraging when you ask those great questions to think thoughtfully about like what the answer is because that will lead to the right path i mean it makes me think the reason everybody said that einstein was able to you know change physics. And the way that he did was because he was a master at asking questions, which led to simple answers, right? So don't start with the answer, start with the question, and that will lead us to the right place. Some very wise advice, Jay. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. So the, uh, I mean, just more pressure happening in the space, right? Like there's a lot of pressure. We said the word of the week last week was fresh pressure. The FDIC has issued cease and desist letters to FD, FTX US, along with some other crypto firms over their deposit insurance. Uh, you know, it's, this is really, we're in a space right now where there's a lot of concern coming from regulators of, okay, how do we protect the, the consumers, right? And that is leading them to, just act in every possible way. You know, they're firing cannons, basically not firing cannons, they're firing shotguns and just trying to get involved. Uh, you know, is this necessarily the best thing for the space? Again, I would prefer that they ask smarter questions first than, you know, shoot cannons first. But, uh, you know, it also, this forces people to ask great questions. So, you know, in a way, somebody's got to act. And, you know, in this case, there's, you know, they're acting say, with a lot of pressure. We, putting we need to go through all right. this. Like I was listening, I was listening to a podcast on um, mm -hmm. which overpriced yeah. JPEGs and they were talking about NFT, I think it was NFT royalties slash CC, CC zero. And um, mm -hmm. it was with a bunch of lawyers and they were just kind of like, 
where is this going to go? What's actually happening? They're like, honestly, we don't know because there is no precedent set yet. There has been no law. There's been no court cases on any of this mm -hmm. stuff. So like, even though there are contracts, there are different things. Like we need to go to court to like decide what is actually going to happen with those kind of things. Yes. And same with this, right? It's just, there's going to be, they're going to throw everything they can at us and we're going to fight it in law and, and in court. And then we'll see what comes of that. But we, we have to go through this as much as it sucks. And it's like mm -hmm. every single week we're bringing up something that a government or a regulatory body or someone is like suing or cracking down or whatever um but it's, it's gonna happen we gotta expect it and we just gotta fight through it and and come out the other side so gotta happen at some point all right to good news totally agree news. all right so some good news uh mercado libre uh which for those of you who are not in brazil is one of the biggest e-commerce companies in the world uh is today actually they announced this last week and today um they will be launching a cryptocurrency as part of their loyalty program. Uh, now, neither Kyle or I are in Brazil, neither of us plan to be involved with this cryptocurrency. The reason that we wanna bring this up is because, two reasons. One, we always love bringing up when giant companies are getting into the space. There's, it's just, it's always a signal, right? Oh, massive company is doing something in crypto, big single, right? What's really so exciting about this is the potential of loyalty programs to give ownership to their users using tokens. Because what you don't really have right now in a loyalty program is you don't really have ownership. You just get points, right? So like, let's say you have, you know, you're a Starbucks user, you go to Starbucks, maybe you have like, I don't know, a thousand stars they're called at Starbucks, right? You don't really own those stars, right? You can just redeem those stars, but you want ownership of those stars. What does ownership mean? Ownership means that like you have those stars and you could sell them if you don't want to use them at Starbucks. And that is a huge unlock for loyalty programs that I think we're all really, really excited about. And if you are a business that has a loyalty program, you should be paying attention to, you know, examples like Mercado Libre, Starbucks, and what they're doing with NFTs and crypto, because uh, it's going to be a huge unlock. It's, there's just no doubt that it's going to be better than the Web2 version of mm -hmm. royalty programs. You know what I mean? If you can have an interoperable, open, uh, you can see it's called Mercado Coin. Uh, and they built it on Ethereum, so it's an ERC-20 token, uh, which means that, you know, you're going to be able to use this and sell it for ETH if you want, or for a uni token, or like, it's just, you can you can go and put it on open marketplace and do whatever you want with it. And that to me is really cool. Um, I mean, I have points in so many different, for so many different companies, and I don't use any of them. I don't even know what they do or what I can get with them. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just interesting to be able to have this like a kind of an, I mean, I guess I don't know for sure that they're going to allow it to be open, but I'm assuming they're going to that really is the unlock here. So we'll see how it plays out, but it's very interesting. It's going to be a great experiment and it's a massive company, again, building on top of Ethereum, which is super exciting. We want more of that. Okay, quick hitter for you here and great news for Web3. We are growing in a bear market, everybody. And I'll tell you how we're growing. ENS, which is Ethereum name service, has just hit 2 million I guess we call them domain names. Yeah, 2 million dom domain names. All right. Now, it took them five years to hit 1 million domain names. They hit 1 million domain names about four months ago. So we're talking right around the start of the bear market. They hit 1 million domain names. In the last four months, they have doubled to 2 million domain names. You know, just such a strong signal that we are growing 
through a bear market. It's so exciting. I've never been so fired up to see such a simple signal. Also, if you don't have an ENS domain name yet, go out and get it. It's going to be a huge part of your digital identity. Uh, and you know, make sure if you do get one, you should probably send some ETH to kylereadhead.eth. Uh, he's available. <laughs> he's always looking for some. He probably shares it at least. I knew you were going to say it, so I had to say it before you, Kai. <laughs> I got to check. I haven't checked my wallet in a while. I got to see if anyone's ever actually sent me any. Just even this like 0. 0.0001 or something, you know? Uh, I got I to gotta find that out. I'll update it next week. <laughs> I, I hope I hope somebody sell, sends you like you know a million of some random token like yeah, shit coin, <laughs> probably. Do you do you have a, did you have a flipping ENS? Did you buy like no, any like I never cool, I, I, no no I never did. Did you? No, I only bought my name and then I bought Web Three Academies as well, of course. Yeah, no, I, I never got that. into this. Never got into the flipping here, but yeah, really exciting, great signal. We're growing, feel good. It's happening, guys. Stay strong. <laughs> <laughs> guys so this bro. is a, yeah yeah this is a, a an update from um who was it from the community someone i think mentioned this it's from blue bar uh in the web3 academy community showed up blue bar thanks for sharing this yeah thanks for so do you know so it's a tweet i'm just going to read that real quick do you know a simple signature metamask can drain your wallet a very experienced user top 10 by dgen score i'm just learning that this is a thing when we had mel on the mm-hmm. podcast i guess he was rated mm-hmm. on this too uh but anyway an experienced user lost almost 500,000 USDC in an exploit. This was, I think, last week. Um, and the the key thing here that was bringing up is the habits that we've learned in Web 2, which is like, you know, when cookies come up and you just you click accept and you just like click buttons to get through it. Um, those are teaching really bad habits for Web 3. Because in Web 2, there isn't really anything that can go wrong. Um, you just kind of click and you want to get rid of these like pop-ups or these notifications. And so that's just kind of habit we've built. In Web3, however, there are a lot of people that do this when it comes to wallet signatures. And this is a problem because um, if you don't know what you're signing, you could potentially be signing uh, access to your wallet and someone can just drain your wallet. So all we're saying here is just, this is like a a PSA, public service announcement. Just be Mm -hmm. careful when there are signatures that are required, whenever you log into a new application or whatever, read that transaction and now i know the ui and ux of this is terrible and oftentimes mm-hmm. you don't even know what you're reading anyway um just make sure you take a deep breath before you sign anything and just think about it before you do it that's all i'm saying uh and just like double check the urls of what you're signing uh or, or the application that you're using all this kind of stuff just yeah make sure you question what you do before you click sign uh, or authorize mm-hmm. or whatever the button is that's all i'm, I'm trying to get here Okay, let's move on to uh, NFTs. What's going on in the NFT space? Uh, First up here, we've got uh, fractional NFT ownership. Uh, And the reason this was brought up was because uh, a company called Fractional, super original name, uh, raised $20 million uh, to continue to build their fractional NFT ownership platform. They're rebranding to to Tessera, which... I don't know if I think that's a better name than fractional. I feel like fractional was pretty obvious. Probably should have stuck with that. But anyways, right. um, and the reason this is so interesting is when we think about blockchain and the use cases, um, the problem with ownership of physical items is that they are very difficult to uh, to put into contracts and to... Uh, safely sell in a legal way. So what we have done, and currently uh, we have 
ownership of physical items throughout our entire world. Uh, and we've created an entire legal tax, a very complex system in order to allow us to have physical ownership and to, um, to, you know, to do different things with that, to sell it, to rent it, uh, to, um, to bring in various investors on it. Uh, so it's very complex, which means that most of the world cannot participate in ownership, right? Which is a huge problem. It's why, you know, we have, what is it? Something like 1.5 billion people don't even have access to bank accounts or to credit currently, right? So this, in this case, here's, a, here's an example of a company that is using blockchain to enable fractional ownership of digital property. So forget calling them NFTs for a second. What this means is, is that if you want to buy something and perhaps you don't have enough money to buy the entire uh, thing that you want to buy, a piece of art, or um, let's say you want to buy membership to a golf course, right? And you don't have enough money to buy membership to a golf course, but you have five friends who together, if you pool your money, you can you can together buy, buy access to that golf course. Well, now you can do that simply using this fractional ownership methodology where you can bring people together. You can do it in a safe way where you don't have to worry about somebody stealing money. You don't have to get lawyers involved. You don't have to make big contracts. Uh, and so there's just a, this is so early right now that most of what this talk is, is like, oh, buy a crypto punk together. But like, I think there's a bigger unlock here of this concept of fractional ownership, uh, which and is the really way that, exciting. The way that this works is you basically put your NFT into a vault and then tokens. So fung so that's a non-fungible mm -hmm. token. So you put your NFT into a vault, into a smart contract. And then from that fungible tokens come out and you can have a hundred of them or a thousand of them or a million of them or whatever you want. And now you can have like, um, fractionalized ownership of that NFT. And so, like mm -hmm. you said, that NFT could be a CryptoPunk. I actually did this. There was a guy that owned a hundred and like four CryptoPunks, uh, which is insane. It was worth, I don't even know, like $30 million or maybe more than that. I can't remember. Um, and last year when Fractional first came out, I actually bought some of these fungible tokens. I think I bought like 50 tokens, 500 tokens or something like that. And so I owned a piece of these 104 CryptoPunks. Um, now I sold those tokens, but it was cool that I was able to like do that without actually having to, like CryptoPunk was, I don't know what the floor was back then, but very expensive, like over a hundred thousand dollars. But I was able to get exposure to that. But where this is really cool is like, you could own a house, right? And a lot of people own a house and most of their funds are in their house, right? Like. My parents, for example, they don't have a lot of investments, but they do own a house at least. And so let's say that house is worth, you know, $500,000 and you want to, you know, buy something else, but all of your money is locked up in real estate. Well, how are you going to access some of that funds? You could go and, you know, refinance your mortgage and blah, blah, blah. Or if your house is a, an NFT, you can go fractionalize it. And now you can sell pieces of your home to do other things. You want to get a renovation, you want to buy a car or whatever. Um, so it opens mm -hmm. up liquidity to non-fungible things, which is super, super cool. And we'll see how that plays out. I'm sure there will be things that, you know, cause a lot of problems as well. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's a cool idea. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how this, uh, how this experiment goes. Okay, moving on to Soulbound NFTs. We talked about Soulbound NFTs. And 
there hasn't been a lot of use cases of soulbound NFTs yet. It's more just been a concept. Vitalik uh, and some others wrote a white paper about this a few months ago. Uh, but here's one of the first use cases I've seen so far. And I just wanted to bring it up because I think it's pretty exciting. So Massive Finance uh, is launching a the first soulbound and an identity in Web3. And this is a massive finance. What is massive finance? They're a hybrid credit protocol and decentralized credit bureau. Uh, and so one of the big issues that I actually just mentioned is that a lot of people don't have access to credit because they the current banking system requires that you have certain uh, certain experience with you know using the banking system, the way that they give out, give out credit currently really limits the amount of access that people can have. But what Massive Finance is doing is they are creating an on-chain uh, soulbound NFT that you can get. And by getting that, then you can get access to credit. So it's basically like your credit score in an NFT format, uh, which it's just, it's really, I think, a huge un lock for the the world to be able to start to have access to the financial system which currently what like 10% of the world has access to this opportunity to get mm. loans and create leverage and build wealth leverage don't use leverage that's my advice <laughs> <laughs> never use leverage okay we got some exciting uh launches happening this past week kai what do we have here from coinbase wallet yeah, Coinbase Wallet is now uh, integrated into Solana. So you can now use Solana apps with mm -hmm. your wallet. And this is kind of the UX, UI things that we we need in this space, right? Like right now or previous to this, if you wanted to use Ethereum, you can use your Coinbase Wallet. And then if you want to go use Solana, you got to go and use Phantom or something like that. Like you need to actually make a new wallet, which is not ideal. No one wants to do that. We don't want to have a million wallets. Um, <laughs> and so Coinbase Wallet is now allowing you to use any EVM compatible blockchain so ethereum polygon etc all the layer twos and now you can also go and use solana which is super cool it's all in one wallet all in one place um, and uh makes life a lot easier so uh congrats to solana congrats to coinbase keep launching new products for us please we love it so something that i saw that uh, this makes me think of is i saw that a16z's uh investment in web3 saw somebody break down what they're investing in currently and 70% of their investments in web three are in either infrastructure or customer user interfaces, right? Customer such as wallets would be the biggest example of that. And you know why? Because A16Z and these, these massive VCs that are investing in the space, they see that the opportunity here isn't to build the next NFT, right? Like they don't want to build the next Disneyland or the next big brand. That's, that's risky. And there's, you know, hit or miss on that, but building infrastructure and building the user interfaces that are going to get people into this space. Those are the big opportunities. And that's why I think wallets is just so fascinating, right? Like we all need to be, I feel like we almost need to do a wallet podcast because there's so much to unlock and it's a huge rabbit hole. And if you're a builder in the space or you, or you want to create a business, you know, look at the wallet space. There's just endless opportunity. I'm not saying make another wallet, but understand the way wallets work uh, because there's going to be a lot of opportunities just within that ecosystem. Uh, it's going to be huge. So one thing that you know that everyone needs to use this space, regardless of what works out, if it's DAOs, if it's NFTs, if it's fungible tokens, whatever, 
regardless, you need a wallet. So it's where every user is going to go. We're all going to have one. Um, so it's obviously a big deal. Also a big deal here is, so this is a, not a, I was going to say a tweet, but this is a LinkedIn post. I don't know who's on LinkedIn, uh, but a LinkedIn post of Michael Maybach, Maybach. Anyway, he's the CEO of MasterCard. So kind of a big deal. Um, he posted yesterday and here's what he says. We can unlock the full potential of blockchain, te blockchain technology when we make it easier to access uh, and easier to use. One way to do that is bringing crypto to everyday purchases. To make that a reality, we're working with Binance to let people use their crypto to make purchases at 90 million stores that accept MasterCard. Uh, and so basically what's happening is they're launching a credit card in Argentina, and then they plan to expand from there to uh, to many more countries. Um, so, I mean, look, we already have crypto credit cards, so nothing new here, but just cool to see this. One, to see, you know, we're expanding, we're continuing to do it in more countries, um, but to see the CEO of MasterCard tweeting about how, you know, good blockchain is. Um, I mean, that's that's just great for the space. So we want more gigabrains, more big people to be talking about blockchain. Yeah, I think this is, you know, it's 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 probably nothing. That's all I have to say. Probably nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Other news that came out of, in terms of launches is NVIDIA uh, is going all in on the metaverse. For those of you who don't know NVIDIA, NVIDIA is one of the largest companies in the world that you've probably never heard of. They they basically make all the um, graphic uh, processing software and hardware that is used in like PlayStation, used in computers. Um, they essentially 30 years ago said, okay, everyone's over here building uh, computers and focused on the like document side, which is what Web1 originally started with. They were like, let's focus on the graphic side, which has made them absolutely massive in the gaming industry. But here's the thing with the metaverse coming along and Kyle, I know both you and I are reading Matthew Ball's book about the metaverse. And if you haven't checked that out, I highly recommend checking out that book because it'll really help you understand. But with the metaverse coming along, we need much better graphic abilities because one of the keys of the metaverse is it needs to be real-time rendered 3D experiences. And NVIDIA is really the biggest company capable of doing this. And they, at a conference last week, announced that they are going all in on the metaverse. This is a huge signal of what one of the biggest companies in the world thinks the future is. Let me just mention a few things that they're doing. One is they announced neurographics. Neurographics is basically what allows rendering of a realistic 3D environment, right? Because if we don't create a 3D environment, then the metaverse will just be 2D websites. And that's not really a metaverse. That's just what we have right now. Uh, but they announced this neurographics, which is going to allow real-time 3D rendering of, of virtual worlds, right? So you can uh, experience something in 3D, which will be super cool. They also announced Avatar Cloud Engine. Uh, I won't get into the technical side of this, but basically what this allows is... 3D avatars, right? Because if we want to all spend time in the metaverse, we need to be able to have a 3D version of ourself that exists that can walk around and move around and we can see, uh, and maybe it's yourself or maybe it's a uh, another version of yourself because one of the cool things about online is you can be anybody you want. You don't have to look your exactly as you do in real life. So, uh, but this idea of being able to have 3D avatars that uh, can look like you and can um, basically move in a fast, quick way uh, and be rendered quickly is just a huge unlock. And they announced some developer tools as well. Um, 
I, I think that what's so cool about this is this is one of the biggest companies in the world just signaling, hey, we're going all in on the metaverse. This space is going to be the future. So really exciting to see. We're going to have to do a full episode on the metaverse, I think, in the coming, yeah. in the coming weeks. Uh, maybe we'll try and get Matthew Ball on the podcast, actually, once we finish the book. That would be super cool. Um, but man, I've learned so much from that book about the metaverse, and uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to dive deep into that. Okay, we are okay. wrapping That's up, a- and we're going to get to the final DAO. DAO. Oh. Ooh, baby. Uh, let me, I'll do the drum roll. You can, you can introduce it this week, Kai. Our okay, DAO of the month is? I don't even know how to say it. Kraus House? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Kraus House. Kraus House. Um, here's what's really, really cool about this DAO. So I heard about this a while ago that there's a DAO that's trying to buy a professional NBA team. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Say what? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there's no way that's going to happen. Uh, but what's, what I realized is I went out, I actually started looking into this because I think I saw it on Twitter. Um, these guys have actually bought a pro team. So it's not, a, it's not an NBA team, um, mm-hmm. but they have bought a professional three-on-three team, um, which is called the... Um, ball hogs i believe um Mm -hmm. what's the league that they're in they're in a um they're in the the, um the big big what's it called it's big uh, three ice cubes big three big three yeah Yeah. yeah, big three so they bought this team and so now you have a dow that is actually managing this team um and you can even see on their on their main website you can buy tickets but there's also an owner's box in those owner's boxes basically to be part of this dow you have to own an nft and that nft is part ownership in this team and it also gives you tickets to every game that they play, um, which is just super interesting. Now, unfortunately, if you look at the uh, standings, they came last place. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't do so hot. They won one game, lost five. So tough go this season. I I think this is the first season they've had an ownership of a DAO. Um, But what's interesting here is kind of the the goal here of this DAO is they bought this team. It's not a big team by any means, um, but they want to – practice, experiment, learn, right? Prove mm-hmm. that they can do this and then sort of work their way up. And so I think they'll they'll start here and then they'll buy the next team, the next team. And their their end goal is to buy an NBA team and have that mm-hmm. NBA team run by a DAO, which is like very ambitious, but just super cool. I love it. Um, Jay and I are both big fans of basketball, played basketball for a long time. Jay's actually really good at basketball, by the way. If you don't know, Jay is 6'5". So he's a, he's a, he's a tall human. Uh, and, uh, and the man, I don't know. Can you dunk Jay? Could oh yeah. Dunk? Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah? Wow, definitely. I don't know if I could anymore at, at 37 <laughs> years old. I, uh, I'm, I'm fading. My athletic abilities are, are going down, yeah. not going up, but I, I just got to say, um, this is, it's just, it gets me so excited. This, like this, again, this huge unlock of web three in that all of a sudden, the average person can participate in ownership in in a way that was never possible before. You know, this is talking about, um, about a basketball team, but you could expand, expand this to, I mean, any sport, but you could also expand it to any media and entertainment. Imagine owning part of a film, imagine owning part of a TV series. Um, You know, there's, we've talked a little bit about that on the show. We've talked about non-fungible films, you know, there's just, yeah, this is just, it's just such a huge unlock. It's so exciting. Shout out to Krause House. You guys are doing a great job in just experimenting and way to diversify. You didn't go for an NBA team first. You went for <laughs> a big three team that probably not many people have heard of, but hey, diversification works. <laughs> what, what I'm interested in understanding is 
how are they deciding the decisions of the team? Is this like a mm-hmm. full vote amongst everyone who owns or like an NFT or I actually, I want to speak to someone at Krauss House and just kind of understand. I mean, I'm sure they're experimenting and trying different things because I'm sure everyone who owns an NFT is not probably suitable to actually run and manage a NBA, like a, a basketball <laughs> team. Uh, I'm just assuming maybe, maybe they all are. I have no idea. But uh, so interesting to see how they kind of handle that governance of this. Um, but also what's cool is they're not just owning a team. They've now, um, via their NFTs, they, they've obviously earned some funds from that, but they're actually now building a basketball court. And I think maybe it's going to be a game, but they're building a court in the metaverse. And, uh, and I think they're cool. selling, what I saw is they're selling seats to this court uh, in the metaverse, cool. which is interesting. Um, but we'll see kind of where they go with it. But uh, just a very fair project. And I think it's really cool what they're doing. And so shout out to Krause House um keep keeping on and and i hope you guys buy a team i wonder what team they're gonna get it's gonna have to be a terrible team who's the worst team in the league right now (laughs) who's the worst team in the league right now that's a great question i was gonna say the minnesota timberwolves but they actually got good recently uh who's the worst team in the league gosh i only think about the good teams i don't think about the bad teams very often orlando magic maybe (laughs) Magic. I used to love them ever, when I was a kid. Ever since they lost Shaq, ever since yeah. they lost Shaq, you know, to Lakers. What Nobody a what said. a she's. All right, well, that's that's a wrap. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. Uh, practice some diversification. You know how how can you do that? Make a new friend. There's an easy way to practice some diversification. Uh, join a new Discord. Uh, you're probably already in too many Discords. Don't join a new yeah, Discord. Don't do that's, that. That's, that's that's overwhelming. Don't do you that. Just uh, Web3 Academy Discord is the only Discord you need. You don't need. There you go. Ones. There you go. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Have a great one, y'all. We'll see you soon. Guys, I got to catch a flight. I literally have to fly in 25 minutes. So here we go. This is the this is the wrap because I got to get on a plane. So I'll see you. If you're in Germany, say hi because I'm going to be there soon. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. And if it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. By the way, if you have yet to join the Discord community, you are missing out. This is where all the magic happens. This is where we learn, where we ask questions, where we network. Uh, You want to be in there. The link to join is in the description below. And finally, a quick disclaimer. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.